together from the disparate reaches of geekdom, here in this restaurant booth, are the most powerful forces of geek ever assembled. Ryan, the toy geek. Scott, the award-winning radio host. Jeff, Scott's minion. And Ron, just Ron. Dedicated to truth, justice, and geek for all mankind. It's Dinner for Geeks. Dinner for Geeks proudly crusades at twotruefreaks.com. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. All right, you mutinous, disloyal, computerized half-breed, we'll see about you deserting my ship. What makes you think you're a man? You're an overgrown jackrabbit, an elf with a hyperactive thyroid. Ship. I don't understand. Of course you don't understand. You don't have the brains to understand. All you have is printed circuits. Captain, if you'll excuse me. What can you expect from a simpering, devil-eared freak whose father was a computer and his mother an encyclopedia? Your father was a computer, like his son. An ambassador from a planet of traitors. The Vulcan never lived who had an ounce of integrity. You're a traitor from a race of traitors. Disloyal to the core. Rotten, like the rest of your subhuman race. And you've got the gall to make love to that girl. Does she know what she's getting, Spock? A carcass full of memory banks who should be squatting in a mushroom instead of passing himself off as a man. You belong in a circus, Spock. Not a starship. Right next to the dog-faced boy. Mr. Scott, shall we give the Enterprise a proper shakedown? I would say it's time for that, sir. I... Before this drama unfolds, we give welcome to the ones named Kirk and Spock. You! What planet is this? Which one of you is the captain? Violate the treaty, Captain. Sir, someone is stealing the Enterprise. What are you scratching at? <laughs> Humans make illogical decisions. Starfleet, do you read? This is the Enterprise. We are under attack. Fire in the sky. 
Hello and welcome to Star Trek Monthly Monday number 56. This is the original um, series uh, episode of two episodes that we do every month. The other one's a Next Generation episode. And this month, Scott Gardner is sick. Sick! Wow. He doesn't feel good. He's in his bed with a thermometer sticking out of his mouth. <laughs> And his wife putting a cold cloth over his head. Aww. And he's crying. And then Aww. she puts a pillow over his face. And she sits on it until he <laughs> stops moving. And she's finally free. <laughs> no, uh, uh, Scott Gardner, get well. But His misery is my my victory. In the <laughs> victory. Yeah. In, the, in the meantime, I've brought S- Scott McGregor, or Scott Mark II, <laughs> into... Um, 2.0 to uh, do this this month's episode and um, before we get started with the regular episode um, it's going to be a little different there was supposed to be a Star Trek comic this month and what I was going to do is I was going to send it over to Scott to to read and we would have done the normal thing but But, uh, we decided to save it as a get well present (laughs) yeah there's something that happens in that comic that 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 Scott Gardner and will and I will very much enjoy discussing that there's a lot of history behind it. So I decided to save that one till next month, you lucky dogs. <laughs> so I, I imagine he'll be he'll be up at, he he bounces back pretty quick, so he's a bumble. He should be back <laughs> soon enough for, for that. So no Star Trek comic this month. Um, some people are wailing and gnashing their teeth some are celebrating but uh so uh, i i figure before we get into the episode um this time we'll uh since we got a uh, new guy to star trek monthly monday the fng and he, if he's gonna talk star trek we gotta get his my, his my star trek, trek history yeah so when did you start watching star trek what was your first uh Star uh, Trek experience, do you remember? Well, uh, obviously it was in some form of reruns as I was born yeah. after. <laughs> Way after, yeah. The original run, uh, not too far after, unfortunately. Um, but I think, actually, a, a cousin of mine actually turned me on to a lot of things sci-fi. And, you know, they were a little older than me, so they probably grew up watching the actual show. So, I mean, they kind of pointed me in the direction of where to watch it. And, you know, when I hung out with my cousins when we were visiting relatives i'd probably see some uh, episodes then and then of course i got home and started seeking them out there and i believe it was uh one of my cousins that gave me one of my um you know most prized star trek toys which is i actually owned the the migo bridge and several oh. of the uh the action figures that uh, wish I still had <laughs> today, and I, you know, well, I all noticed my money we, troubles would be over. But when we went back to your mom, <laughs> we definitely saw bits and pieces. Bits of, and pieces. <laughs> like, I've got a couple uniforms. There's a couple boots. uniforms, but the uniforms had like bloody holes in them. Yeah, so there were well, evidence said, of some past battle. Yeah, we red said, shirt battle. As I said before, yeah, we had a final when I decided it was time to put away childish things and. And have no cognizance of uh, that they might be worth thousands of dollars someday. <laughs> right. I uh, <laughs> I destroyed all my my dolls and figures and decided it's time to grow up, which I never ultimately did. So yeah, yeah. What so a waste a that was. Worthless yeah. gesture all around, but it must have been fun actually. Yeah, which I, is ironic too. It shouldn't have been. 
you know, I mean, Scott Gardner was describing uh, a couple months ago his, you know, when he was playing with his action figures and about midway through play, he was just like, ah, you know, <laughs> I don't think I really am into this anymore. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. it was pretty soon after that that we were dropping rocks out on him from a from a bridge, mm-hmm. it, pro- not far from your house. Some of mine even died by fire. It was pretty horrible. Mm. Yeah, but uh, plastic melts so well when you're. We never kidding. burned any of Scott's. We burned one. We melted one of my sister's John Travolta dolls <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> over a brick. <laughs> And it was just this brick with melted plastic <coughs> on it and a distorted face nice. of John Travolta. Mm, a fitting end. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've watched the entire series at one point. I, I remember just telling you a little while ago that I, I, don't, I didn't really remember the full plot of this one. When you were explaining it to me, I thought it was actually the Shore Leave episode because it does deal with plants and yeah. psychedelic properties of certain space plants that seem to crop up a lot in the Star Trek original series. Uh, you know, kind of a now, sign of the times. But did, did you did, do you remember watching Star Trek on CKWS? On I mean, probably, Canada? yeah. Wherever they were showing it in our area is, that was, is when yeah, I would that was catch about it. it. Yeah, and so it was, you know, usually probably saw them all out of, out of order the first time around and, um, you know, didn't really... Some I loved, some I didn't really get into, and, uh, uh, just, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I've pretty much always been a fan of it, you know. I was trying to remember today what my first Star Trek, epi- you know, when, when I first st- saw, because when I was a kid, before Star Wars came along, Star Trek was it, yeah. you know. And well, I, spa- I used to be in the, the space ninety nine too. Nineteen ninety nine. Well, I never got one. to see that. Yeah. I only got to see a couple episodes, and it was so fucking bizarre yeah. that I didn't know what to think of the first. I remember seeing that like on some Canadian fuzzy yeah. coming in thing, and there. And all I remember was, I don't even know if it was the same episode, but there was a creature. It might have been because I had a space nineteen ninety nine lunchbox mm-hmm. and it had a picture of this multi-tentacled Cthulhu right. creature on it and I s- somewhat remember that episode and I remember one where this killer foam <laughs> like filled up the ship and like you know there were just you know it was just soap bubbles it got pretty freaky yeah and it for... was filling up the ship and people were like yeah. dying and I remember I remember that one now too yeah I just remember space 1999 was like okay it was the moon got somehow blasted out of orbit yeah talk about your you know wild concept yeah, yeah self, and it was a self-contained just base. Through space the whole entire moon yeah. yeah every episode that base seemed to take like major casualties oh yeah yeah just people would die like crazy <laughs> and i always wondered either how had they cloning vats or they were breeding really quickly there were a lot of them or yeah. something because you know, it would seem like they'd almost all get wiped out. And I, I, you see, I dimly remember, I remember, dimly remember seeing that. I dimly remember seeing a piece of the action where Kirk and Spock were yeah. on the planet with, with Krakow. And, yeah, that's one of my favorites. But that couldn't have been thing. my first one because I remember, I, I remember seeing, to tape record it. So. I remember seeing the Menagerie was one of the first ones I saw, the two-parter mm. there. And, you know, you didn't really... 
I, mean, I had no idea at the time the pilot was the cage you know that that was right, coming off right. of just like where is this is like a clip show but we're you know what's the show where that the clip from? is and from and everybody looks different yeah who's yeah. this guy in the wheelchair that, you know and it was uh it's funny because it was intriguing though i mean the whole courtroom drama of it i mean even back then as a kid it was that was one of my favorites and the, the whole slow burn procedural stuff that used to go yeah. on in star trek you know the there wasn't a lot of action going on, but it was uh, it was just very. It appealed to my, you know, intellect, I guess. Well, I remember seeing yeah. Devil in the Such Dark as it at somebody's house. That was house. one of my favorites too. Yeah. But at that time, I knew what Star Trek was all about, so that couldn't have been my first episode. <laughs> I wish I could just. I wish I could remember because yeah. it clearly it blew my mind. Yeah. And uh, usually, I remember stuff like that, and it's kind of disturbing me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's just so many episodes, and you know, we were so yeah. young when I first saw them that it's just to nail down. I really think the Menagerie was probably one of the first, though, because that's always stuck in my mind as as the most vivid. And I, uh, I haven't watched a lot of them in in many years, but I just started tapping a couple more. And um, I'll tell you what, I just kind of retroactively makes me appreciate it more now that I'm not a huge fan of the newer movies. Uh-huh. And uh, you can see just where they nailed it and where they... I don't want to go off on that rant, but where where they still need some help. It happens a lot on this show, so yeah. don't worry about it. <laughs> but it's... it's You're always going to get those comparisons. And so that I'm... I'll give props to the new movie for making me want to go back and and watch the old episodes again. So in that respect, it was, that's kind it's of all a I've good thing. Yeah. gotten to a point that's all I can hope for. For yeah. is like that, and when we were kids, like kids are when we were kids looking back. Except for you know older music, I liked stuff like um, you know the Beatles and yeah. stuff like that when I was kids, which was music from twenty years before. Yeah. But I'd often get mocked for it because, oh, that's old music. Let's <laughs> see that old stupid music and stuff. I don't think kids are... I think, like, a lot of kids today still would see those episodes as being cheesy. But they would kind of appreciate the cheese of it. Yeah. And once you start appreciating the cheese to it, you start seeing that they're well-written. And yeah, you yeah. start appreciating them. And let's face it, half of our mass media is cheese. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, that's why I don't watch any TV until... It either comes on Netflix or, you know, and I read that it's just something you cannot miss. Like, yeah. you know, I didn't know about Breaking Bad till it was four years into the show, and then I caught up on Netflix. And, you know, that's the beauty of that. But, yeah, there's nothing that really compels me to want to... Concepts that makes me want to watch something, you know, every week. Um, but, I mean, watching, like, on CKWS there, when I saw Star Trek, it was just like, I could not wait until I found the next episode to watch. You know, yeah. when it came on again, it's just like, it's su- such great world building. And I-, I showed you just recently, I found my old technical manual. And yeah. It's just been awesome to go through again and just look at those blueprints and the friggin', you I know, patterns how to make, you know, what show even puts out, creates some kind of, you know, fan artifact like that anymore yeah you know it's just well they 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 definitely created i mean that sort of star wars the the, the, yeah. the star trek blueprints were yeah. another really great one i mean that was beautiful seeing the whole layout of the mm-hmm. enterprise and um there was a book you know like mr scott's guide to the enterprise yep. that just shows you how everything works 
And I used to own all the old uh, the the technical manuals on the older computers too. I used to love those those technical manuals, and they would have every uniform yeah. and what it stood for, yeah. and alien types, and and all that. So I mean, even before that came out, you could tell it was a well thought out, you know, series and a lived in world and something with that stayed consistent with its own universal rules and you know. Somewhat consistent. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> More it or less got pretty consistent. wacky, and this was a pretty wacky episode too. And it definitely, this is one of those you know I call them the hippie episodes of, of Star Trek. That it's yeah. Just, you know. Um, you know, I'm thinking I maybe I might have seen the animated series before. That's on Netflix too. I've been revisiting that one lately. Well, and, I uh, got I just got. Um, there's been uh, Chris uh, Tyler, the hair metal hero, and I have been kicking around an idea for a long time. And uh, I, I, eventually we're going to do it, you know, but uh, we're going to cover the, and me and him are going to cover the animated series yeah, in well, some sort of We need a third on that one. Short I'd be happy form. to. That, that may have actually been one of my earlier experiences with Star Trek. I'm almost thinking I may have seen some animated series before yeah. I even saw, you know, too much of the original, you know, TV series, so. Well, you know, it's funny because it's probably was more or less the same for both of us because we're only a couple years apart. Right. And uh, in, in those days, it wasn't like, oh, which Star Trek do I want to watch first? It was availability. Yeah. So it's just much more likely that probably the animated series was on on a Saturday morning. Yeah. yeah. Sometime probably before the, you know, the the main syndicated yeah. cartoons. Well, that might have been on Canadian too, because that like, might have been too. They showed some great shit on that Canadian station. Sorry. They, they showed. A, you yeah. can say shit. Okay, cool. I said fuck earlier, <laughs> so there you go. I'll just tack off the adult. A- anytime you want to do a whole podcast on Rocket Robin Hood, I'm there too. There's <laughs> been talk of that. <laughs> that was my there's been talk of that because that was a that. You know, that's a weird one because there's only so many people who know what Rocket Robin yeah. was because you have to be near... It was it was really Canadian. Yeah, it was awesome, right? And uh, I may have... Yeah, I may have to go to YouTube after this and revisit some of that. That was some horrible animation. Yeah. But, it, you know, at the time, it was just like Rocket Robin Hood. Yeah, what, what well, one of my... Probably in the top five of my all-time favorite movies is The Adventures of Robin Hood with Errol Flynn. So, I mean, like, uh, yeah, so I'm there. Space Throw Robin some Hood. rockets on them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, that, that was weird because I, it reminded me of there was, I think it was around the same time period that they made like Pinocchio in space. Yeah. Just, Remember that They were movie? throwing everything in space, you know, Jeez, at one I point. gotta see beautiful. Pinocchio in space again. That had some You know, the giant space whale stuff. and everything. I mean, yeah. it was just like... <laughs> giant space <laughs> whale and Mars with like giant crab creatures and uh-huh. stuff. What, how can you go wrong with that? Yeah. I don't know if you get away well. There's some pretty twisted cartoons going on these days, but... We had some yeah. cutting-edge ones ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> the twisted cartoons these days are kind of better because they're aware that they're being surreal. You're yeah. Su- what was it, story time and stuff like that? Adventure time. Adventure yeah. time, that's yeah. it. it. Shows how hip I am. Hey, kids, I like that story time cartoon. <laughs> I, you know, only Reminds know, me of I only know about contemporary cartoons because I had a recent relationship with woman who had a son who right, was a, a 10 kid. year old and a 7 yeah. year old so yeah I've, I got, I can probably do all 150 Pokemon for anyone if oh it good it. lord yeah. no nope. <laughs> not on this show not on any other show <laughs> um 
All right. Well, I think we're about ready to go into our main event. Sure. And um, today's episode is This Side of Paradise. Dun, dun, dun. Captain's log, stardate 3417.3, Omicron SETI 3. We had expected to find no survivors. These people shouldn't be alive. Is it possible that they're not? This is Layla Colomi, our botanist. through to Admiral Comac and Starfleet. Oh, I'm sorry, Captain. I can't do that. <laughs> I said get back to your station. No, sir. This is mutiny, mister. Yes, sir. This is Spock. Yes, what did you want? We're evacuating. No, I don't think so. Mutinous, disloyal, computerized half-breed. We'll see about you deserting my ship. All right. I am going to do Scott Gardner's duties this time. And there's a great picture of smiling Spock. <laughs> right, right in the book. I've got the Star Trek compendium here. And I'll be <laughs> reading their synopsis. Let me turn on my reading light put my glasses down on the end of my nose because I am old. <laughs> All right. Now this was a this this is a great one because it was written by DC Fontana, so we'll get into that later, but uh the Enterprise arrives at planet Omicron City 3 where Kirk expects to find all the colonists dead because of the deadly Berthold rays to which they have been exposed for 3 years. But when a landing party beams down, colony leader Elias Sandoval informs them that everyone on the planet is quite well, including Layla Colomi, who wants Spock to hide the Salome, <laughs> a young botanist with whom Spock has <laughs> had worked six years before. Six years before, so maybe she did miss the Ponfar. Layla leads Spock to a clump of plants that spray him with their spores, liberating the Vulcan's emotions. Spock expresses his long-suppressed love for Leela. Other members of the landing party are exposed. Plants are beamed up to the Enterprise, and before long, everyone is affected. Then the captain discovers that strong emotional reactions are the antidote to the spore's effect, and tricks Spock into coming back aboard the Enterprise. He goads him into a fight, and barely avoids being killed by the Vulcan's superior strength. The conflict restores Spock to normal, and he assists Kirk in constructing an apparatus that frees the Enterprise crew and the colonists from the spores! Alright. Definitely very uh, body snatcher vibe to this one. <laughs> yes, and Day of the Triffids. Plant, plants being delivered to take over the Quote unquote plants. Yeah. Those were the... Now, we watched um, we watched this on Netflix, which had, obviously, the, the re-jiggered version of it. Which they didn't need for much this time around. No, there just basically the planet. A couple planet. nice really shot planet. Yeah, planet shots. Yeah. But, once again, that higher quality video... Man, those plants are cut out of foam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cut out of foam and then just hastily airbrushed, airbrushed paint on them. It's redonkulous. Yeah, but, you know, they weren't working with much, so. Mm-hmm. Gotta give them props for using what they had, I guess. But, yeah, it's it's on a 40-inch TV, too, and 
we also noted that uh, Kirk's stunt double is oh much more noticeable God. on 40 inches as well. <laughs> it's funny because the last episode we did was um, Trouble um, with Tribbles. Troubles with Tribbles, which yeah. had Kirk's stunt double just sort of sitting around in there and people mistaking him for Kirk. So we got to see him get tossed around a few times in this one. And we also got to see your standard California ranch backlight. First, it looked like what you were commenting. <laughs> yeah, it looked like they probably shot it in uh, Roddenberry's backyard yeah, or something. <laughs> yeah, but then it takes on, like, the Bonanza set, you uh, know, a backlot um, western set. It could have well been. And Roddenberry, like, he wrote for some of those shows. And oh, sure. Days, oh, he? sure. The stu- I mean, yeah. Paramount had all that stuff set up. Yeah, they obviously were just like, here, use it. And, uh... You know, there's a few little logical, bizarre things in the beginning. They beam down and they're like, everybody here should be dead. Yet the grass is all trimmed and mm-hmm. and all that. And uh, then when they finally do meet the, the, the colonists, you know, Sandoval comes out and greets them. And then they just sort of walks away to leave them to talk. And, well, what's going on here, you know, and yeah. stuff. Well, and then they just sort of catch up to it. So after all those years of no contact with other humans... Is going to be just like, hi, this is the situation. All right, see you later. And make yourself at home. We're just going to go do what we do, which we can't really figure out what that is. But Yeah, and there's some sort of weird space Amish Luddite sect or something. And uh, it's funny because they're talking about their work and stuff, and I guess their work was to, like... Well, just start a colony, I guess, and, like, wasn't it, like, agricultural experiments yeah, basically and they were supposed to like develop that. the whole planet and all they had was their one little they just fed themselves victory garden to, yeah to eat on yeah well, eat from <laughs> it's funny because i was being all mr smarty before this go- you know you're getting ready for some kirk <coughs> kirk action and i was like well you know don't get your hopes up it's the first season and uh shatner was you know more subtle in the first mm. season well I was wrong. They turned it up near the end there. Yeah. No, he he's he's yeah, he's having some fun in this in this one. I mean, all you two true freak listeners, everybody's familiar with you belong in the circus right next to the dog faced boy. Mm -hmm. And I may have to cut that whole sequence in here because it's just so awesome. Yeah. Where Kirk just lays into Spock. And he says sabotage in this one. Sabotage. Sabotage. Which just strengthens his argument. Yes, he does say sabotage (laughs) and not say sabotage. But um, there are some things that that do uh, give it away as a first season episode. They refer to Mr. Spock once again as uh, a Vulcanian, Mm -hmm. which was only sort of seemed to happen once or twice in the first season, usually towards the beginning. And, um, And Spock's character. Yeah. Spock was a lot colder. This was th- uh, this was probably one of the first like chinks in the Spock armor, emotional armor episodes. So they probably played it up even more. But he's very cold. And uh, just the uh, you know it was twenty five episodes into the season, is I think, and uh, it could should have been a shock to viewers back then more so than now. Maybe that you know. We find out that you know Spock was this player back six years ago at mm-hmm. Starfleet Academy or something. He's got this beautiful blonde pining for him all this time. Well, you know, she was <laughs> saying he had no feelings for her back then either. He couldn't yeah. even touch her. So he was just he was a prick back then too. Like yeah. he sees her and he's a, she's just like Spock. Uh, it's been six years and he just stares at her. Well, I don't think that really came her. to light till later because in the yeah. beginning it almost seemed like you know it was a relationship Maybe, had gone on. Yeah, man. she hit him right on the right point of the pond <laughs> far. Yeah. And, and got lucky. Yeah, and he 
he's like, you know what? You know, human tricks were good enough for my dad. I got to try this out. Right. Why not? You'd you think know. a Vulcan would be experimental sure. at least. Yeah, just on, yeah, in the interest of logic and science. <laughs> but it's pretty funny. Kirk doesn't, Kirk, Kirk's not the one who gets a girl this time yeah. at all. Yeah. And and uh, uh, McCoy even makes a little play for her, too, a little half-assed, I'll be your little dog till your big dog comes along. Yeah, I love what they did with McCoy in this one. Yeah, um, his southern he accent He just reverts comes back. back to Tennessee, and yeah, yeah, he's just like, hey, Jimmy boy. And, uh, Jimmy boy, yeah. I'm getting sloshed. I'm making myself a mint julep. And yeah. Y'all to come down to the, uh, y'all ought to come down to the planet and hang out with us, you hear? Yeah. It was neat. I could tell DeForest was having a ball with that one. Yeah. And, you know, I always remember this episode a lot more luridly because uh, with Spock, uh, that he, like, had more of a flip out. But but really, um, Nimoy played it pretty close to the bone. With it. I mean, there's, there's the iconic scene that we have the picture of in the book where he's hanging from the tree and, yeah. and laughing. But for the most part, he doesn't go into crazy emotions. He's just sort of, he's sort of a well-balanced Spock. And yeah. you can sort of see at the end, maybe he's a little pissed off that he had to go back to being, he's talking about living in your own, everybody living in their own private purgatories and getting all emo. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, and I, I mean, <laughs> the, the last line of the show is, yeah, for the first time, I was happy. I was happy, happy. yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. like, oh. You motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, basically. It's like, oh. right, Back gotta, on the ship. I yeah. just got to be a freaking science officer. Thanks a lot, Captain. Your... Now I don't Now yeah. I don't have to do all that horrible nookie yeah. <laughs> that I was going to do, yeah, that I was planning exactly. on doing. <laughs> yeah, nope. Thanks. Back on the ship and no sex. Yeah, one more year I can go find myself a nice Vulcan girl, but... Uh, no. <laughs> but um, that also brings a point. It was written by DC Fontana, Dorothy Fontana, the late mm -hmm. Dorothy Fontana, and uh, so it's got that. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, it's not something people think of as much today because obviously the show's been around forever. But Mr. Spock was a big deal back then. He was kind of like the Fonz. He was a character everybody yeah. that was like like. Yeah, I watch that Star Trek, but I like that Doctor Spock character. Mm -hmm. He's good, you know. And all the ladies were like, "Yeah, oh yeah, I like that Doctor Spock character <laughs> too." And it was a perfect character for the ladies because he's cold and unemotional. And he's got those ears they can grab. <laughs> and he's super strong, <laughs> super strong, mm -hmm. and you know, Boy Scout. And, but at the same time, you know, they know there's emotions in there. So yeah, there's they, just a they, simmering beast underneath there somewhere. It, yeah. So, you know, that's why he's been, like, the subject of every, you know, um, Star Trek, female Star Trek fans, fan fiction, fan fiction yeah. and stuff. Because <laughs> I can find the chink in the armor. So, you know, now that uh, you, you can tell a Dorothy Fontana story because she doesn't indulge in that sort of fanficy sort of stuff but she does address the things that all the women were going nuts for Mr. Spock so well, like, yeah and pretty pretty overtly her heroine is pretty much just you know spooning at his every yes, move right from, the, right from yeah. the very start she's given <laughs> given history so that yeah so that so that she could do it. Is this light shining right in your face? Oh no! By I'm the way? No, I I, I got my reading light on. And I'm wondering if it was uh, like an interrogation. <laughs> like, no, no. How long have you been listening to Star <laughs> Trek? Watching Star Trek? Um. 
yeah, so you you get a very a very sort of feminine story. It's a story about people's emotions and and stuff. It, but the end of it is just sort of like, well, <laughs> yeah, this sort of being happy and just living with enough to survive. That's not for people. Yeah, it's that's like once the lead guy, you know, gets that, a little angry and that's a terrible hell. Yeah, and we gotta, you know, what was it? We we don't march to the panpipes, or you know, we don't dance to the panpipes. We march to the drum. It's yeah, like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, Kirk, Kirk tried to. It was not very Roddenberry like. No, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit of a harsh, uh, you know, tough love life lesson than just. One I'm not sure I bought either. It's just, oh, it's just like, basically it's so much better life. to have hardships in life than just to have it easy. I'm like, eh, really? But I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, it's easy for you to say. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, just to sort of like, yeah, we're more, we're, we're, we're humanity. Well, we're basically better off being pricks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're <laughs> better fighting our way through the universe than. And it's just like, hey, why couldn't you have a little colony of happy people there living with the spores? As a matter of fact, might be in like the next generation, they would have been like, well, you know, maybe now maybe we can set up communication with these spores, you know, and uh, or at the very least, you'd think, I mean, there wasn't a lot of talk about you would think at least McCoy would be grabbing one of these plants and being like, "Um, this makes everyone in perfect health when they should be dying of radiation poisoning. Mm -hmm. We needed to study this. Maybe there's some way we can kill the part of the spores that thinks. Right. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Because it's use never its really stated, but party. it's basically that these, these plants are essentially parasites, not exactly sort plants. Sort of. But, yeah. but the thing was, it wasn't like the kind of thing where the they... they um, because I was thinking it too, because you said something like oh, part of the hive mi- hive mind going on. But I don't think there was a hive mind going on as much. And I don't think that the... Because... It was funny when the people came off the spores. They were not that much, di- you know. They were just right. like, "Oh, okay, I'm a little more rational now." Yeah. But it wasn't like the spores are like, "Ah, my new friends," you know, and our friends the space spores, and you must now we're one being and stuff like that. It was almost just like happy, like uh, the, didn't they say happy pills or? Yeah, yeah, basically the. Well, yeah, the hive mind thing came to me with that. The main, the botanist, the her- main heroine was always like, you know, you should come join us, and she was yes. always talking in like the third person, we, and yes, so that's kind of what triggered like that, that episode me. with Landru, are you of the body mm-hmm. type thing? That was a hive mind episode of that, but yeah, it was. I would have almost liked to have seen it kind of go more in that direction, but as I said, that would have almost been more of a body snatchers type of thing than. Yeah, you know. yeah. Then a Triffid sort of thing. Well, Triffids made you blind. They're easy parasites to get rid of. All you have to do is get angry. They just For want a little ha- while. They too. just want a happy human to live in. And if you're not happy, then they're just gonna go, you know, find what? something that is. I guess. Three years. Didn't one of those colonists like yeah, while they're building the stub barn, their toe or, yeah, yeah. stub their toe or chop their finger <laughs> off exactly. or something? You know, and no, I, I guess not. I guess not. No. <laughs> um. Oh, another great detail. Kirk's got a nice Samsonite suitcase. Yeah, that was cute. Yep, nice little uh, <laughs> little carry-on bag. He's, he was packing to go to the colony. Um, yeah. um, another high point is when he was on the planet and Privus, Private Elvis there mutinied with, with the sideburns on, on him. Yeah. And, and another thing. 
here's here's something else that I, okay Kirk so Kirk figures out okay strong emotions after he does I mean Kirk is the classic I mean he must have a mutant brain or something because he's the classic no matter what there's that episode with the woman who he falls in love with like once you touch their tears of that race that you fall madly in love with the women mm -hmm. of it but Kirk always you know the Enterprise always snaps him out of it he always has some moment where yeah. this one he's looking at some sort of medal of valor you know something that someone gave him and that's that's between that and you know seeing his suitcase on the transporter yeah made him just go no i must muscle through this through yeah i must sheer willpower the ship yeah and but that was almost contradictory to the plot the whole metal thing because you would think that would elicit a a happy memory but you know apparently it made him angry enough to break the spell because he was never really because he was leaving it behind he yeah <laughs> It made him angry because it, because you know, it was just like, no, you can't leave your ship. But you'd think Spock would have been able to do that in a heartbeat, you yeah. know. But which also leads to believe that maybe Spock really wants to like have his, you know, emotions balanced with, you know, and somewhere deep inside there. So, yeah. So poor Spock at the end of this one. <laughs> And McCoy, man, the the great scene where they they put the angry ray. Man, I would love to have my own angry oh, ray. Oh yeah, no doubt. Oh my God, there's some drunken douchebag festivals here in Rochester. <laughs> Not that it doesn't seem like there's already an angry yeah. ray once the alcohol gets going. Right. But Just you to could, give it that actual nudge. Would you, be nice. oh yeah, <laughs> it could look like World War Z if you gave like one of those things the angry ray. But when McCoy, yeah, McCoy was like sitting there with his mint julep. <laughs> Drunk as a skunk. Yeah, and this this guy comes over and tells him he's gonna have to start working. He's like, "I'm a doctor. You don't need a doctor." <laughs> Should have been a, like, "I'm a doctor, damn it, not a laborer." Yeah, <laughs> but I like that. When if 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 when McCoy gets mellow, he just gets drunk and lazy. Uh, yeah. Um. No Scotty this episode. No, not at all. No, no nope. Scotty at all. You got Kirk tries to call him once, and it's just you must. There's nobody it's assumed in. he's already on the planet, I guess. But yeah, we've watched a bunch of episodes lately where Kirk's been on an empty ship, just going Enterprise. Anybody yeah. there? Anybody cuts down there? on those casting costs, I guess. I guess so. <laughs> we saw how the you know the budget went for the plants, so <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I've, I, and first season, so obviously no Chekhov in this one. Yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, yeah, everybody but Scotty so even gets to have their little scene, you know, or her gets to have her, like, you know, I've joined the cult scene after all, yeah. too. Yeah, but she's not even in it very much at all. I mean, just like that one scene, essentially. Yeah. Um, no other, None of the other peripherals, like Nurse Chapel or Janice Rand or anybody. No. Um. They did have a nice line of extras at one point waiting to go to the planet. I know. It looked like a line to the bathroom yeah. of the Enterprise. <laughs> yeah. It's like, all the bathrooms are down but one, Captain. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, like, the rest of the, like, you know, McCoy's like, we're going to just have to beam out all the waste from their colon into space. <laughs> but that just brings that Breaking Bad. It's <laughs> just a ripoff yeah. of that Breaking Bad episode now that I think <laughs> about it. But I've always wondered about that, like space constipation, if they were just like, oh, yeah, we'll just beam that out of there for you. Sure. Yeah, I'd love to see what the special effects would be like on somebody's intestines floating through space. That would be foam, definitely oh, foam. After the episode of Back to the Bins with 
Bill Robinson's constipated cat. I guess <laughs> gonna have to get a little trend going here. <laughs> but dead air. Um, yeah, I mean, what else? What else is there to say about it? Well, it you was, made a good point early on, and it was a little frustrating to watch. That it's like, why aren't you know why isn't anybody just asking the damn colonists why they're not yeah. dead? <laughs> oh Jesus! Yeah, that's a good. I forgot all about it's that. It's like um. They come down there and there's a mystery. The colonists are friendly. Yeah. And they're like, oh, they seem alive. They seem friendly. They, uh, even though they walk up with them with two hoes in their hand. It's, yeah, yeah. That was a little threatening with his two muscle guys with hoes. And and hoses in, like, when you hoe the land. The farming Not hoes like in, like, yeah. hey, ladies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're not space pimps. No. So as no, far as, as, far as, as we see, saw, one, there was there's a, one lady and she had the hot spot. Yeah. She hadn't found a mate in, in that whole time there. No, but three she'd years. Been She's still pining away for the emotionless Vulcan, yeah. which says oodles about her psych. But. They get down there. These guys are supposed to be dead. And the first question, they, they don't ask, they don't get into that conversation until like 10 minutes into the episode no. of like, why aren't you guys dead? And, and Spock's finally the one that brings it up, and he just gets led over to a flower and yeah. poof. And yeah, that's the end of that. <laughs> I mean, when they first saw these people and they introduced themselves, they, they why didn't they say, "Look, man, you're getting you're getting bombarded by this deadly radiation. You know, why aren't you dead?" That yeah. would be the first question after introductions and all that the pleasantries. Mm -hmm. And they don't even bother. And I imagine and and I I imagine it's because the story <laughs> needed it to be like that. Although I don't think <laughs> they, I, I mean, what they, what I would have done is what you normally do in Star Trek. Have them, what, and what he does ten minutes in, he starts avoiding the question and mm -hmm. and uh, and stalling. But they could have built a lot more tension by having that first right off in the beginning. So it's like, oh, something's, oh, there's something wrong in Paradise. Trouble yeah. in Paradise. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they don't follow that route for some reason. That story route. No, I guess maybe it would have wrapped up things too quick, you know. I don't know. <laughs> but it was an apt uh, observation by you. Yeah, and it's really one of the filthiest Star Trek episodes ever Well, it's shot. pretty much implied that, that Spock did indeed get laid in his oh, time yeah. with emotions. Oh, come on, so, if he didn't get yeah, laid, he's you know, an idiot. Yeah, exactly. He's so, an idiot. You know, well, well, he, he did definitely get change of clothes, so that's what I'm yeah. imagining. Yeah, and he's swinging his, off a tree trunk, which is you know, his all way kinds out of, of metaphorical. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, the, <laughs> getting a face full of space <laughs> Yeah, that he even got space some sperm space is, sperm in his hair. Yeah, that was... Yeah, is <laughs> a little something about Mary scene there. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, yeah, that this. Uh, I mean, maybe the money shot is way more. It, it definitely wasn't in the public conscious when this was made. Right. But when you see this, it's just like, <laughs> yeah. oh, let's spray some white stuff yeah. in your face, and all of a sudden you're happy. Yeah, and just we are mellow. products of the internet porn age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, flowers are sexual organs. Yeah, that's exactly. all there is to it. And yeah, that was essentially the whole the baseline metaphor to this whole episode is <laughs> Spock does have a libido <laughs> and all it takes is a little spray to get it going yeah. and, <laughs> and a hot blonde <laughs> well yeah <laughs> through a through a, a, a mist filter yes. maybe they were the, uh, the the galactic Viagra plant apparently <laughs> space Viagra <laughs> yeah. 
Oh my god. Alright. Well, I don't know. I'm looking through my no Oh, one of my notes was uh Um in this er early on in this in the run. Man, DeForest Kelly and and Carl Urban look a lot alike. You yeah. know, when you see DeForest Kelly on the younger end, they just had their faces and their whole heads and their way they're just structured the same. It's really that was really some of the best casting. I, I don't think we've seen enough of Urban doing, and the story hasn't given enough chances no. to. But we haven't seen enough of Urban doing the laid back McCoy. He's always yes. very intense. He's the laid back doing... McCoy is awesome too. Yes, you know, he's just joking and picking on Spock constantly, and you know. Yeah. And we, I'd love to see more of that in the third one, just a little. Yeah, but... Kirk mostly serves as the one to pick on Spock in the movies, yeah. and that's just you know. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be the flat-out, almost open hostility of, like, the first two seasons of McCoy and, and Spock. Yeah. Um, well, that looks like, it looks like I've gone through all my notes. And I took none, so... Um. That's okay. <laughs> that means... <coughs> and this is funny, because this is in Star Trek Monthly Monday history that I got somebody in my house. So, as I hit all my buttons and open up the secret panel... You can see my vintage Star Trek computer. Oh, huh? my God. I'm kidding. Nobody believes it's real. All right. I can attest we have uh, a high-quality piece of paraphernalia. <laughs> yeah, oh high-quality. <laughs> All right. Oh, God damn it. This thing is so fucking slow, man. It's still running on Vista. <laughs> All right. Where is... Where the hell is it? I'm gonna have to cut this. Can't you just ask the computer? <laughs> oh! Computer, give me a random number. Computer! What? <laughs> Alright, computer! Bring me up a random number of Star Trek episodes. Alright. 56. Let's see which episode this is episode 56 is Spock's brain oh, which awesome. we've already done yeah bummer alright computer give me another number inside explain 32 32 is the changeling which we have already done <laughs> this is this is a problem here now that we've done a whole bunch of them uh, I can't do a subroutine that pulls out all the filters. The, now. Yeah, that filters yeah, all the numbers out. 1960s computer technology. All right, computer. <laughs> give Direction me. Unclear. Yes, Please I know. Give me request. another number between one and seventy-nine. Number eighteen is Arena. Oh. Yep. Woo, that's a Is great that one. done arena? We did arena. Oh, of course you did arena. <laughs> oh, damn it. I'm going to be here all night. Oh, God damn it, computer. Insufficient data. All right, data. computer, give us another number. So I think it's just calling out its favorites at this point. I'm going to kill it if it is. <laughs> 60. Da -da -da. Number 60 is... Is there in truth no beauty? Done it! Done it. Done it. That's the one with Lurch, about isn't it? it? 
Yes, it is. Yeah. All right. No, that isn't the one with Lurch. That's the one with, I think with the, one the little weird. Girls made of, maybe? That's what our little girls made yeah. of. This one was the one with the weird ambassador who lives inside of a a tank, and he's so ugly that you can only look at him through special <laughs> goggles that oh, Spock okay. can wear. Yeah. God damn it, computer! You better give me the right number this time. If so help me, you're gonna be scrap metal. Thank you, sir. I comprehend. Twenty-two. This better be good. Space Seed! We've done it! Uh, yeah. Oh my That's god! You're toying with us, computer. Alright. Once, <laughs> once more. <laughs> Please specify how you would like to proceed, sir. Alright, computer. 47. You better not be messing with me. The immunity syndrome. You know, I don't think we've done the immunity syndrome. Let me look that one up in the book. I don't think we've done it. Do you, do you have any idea what That's not ringing a that? bell. It has something to do. You know what? God damn it, I think we did do the immunity syndrome. Yes, we did. Please yeah. specify. Yes, we did. That's the one where fear inoculates you against uh, some bullshit bullshit. All right, computer. Um, you gotta be hitting one sometime. Within me. Thirty-eight. Metamorphosis. I don't think we've done metamorphosis. Here we go again. Let me look this up in the in the book here. Oh, I think that I remember that one. That was always one of my favorites too. Is that the one? Is or am I thinking of changeling? Metamorphosis might be the one with um, what's his name in it? Um, who was in st the Next Generation movie? Who invented the warp drive? Oh, Cochran. Cochran, Cochran might be in Metamorphosis. Yep, yes, Zephyr. it's a Zephyrin Cochran one. I believe we have not done that one. So, mm -hmm. next month it's Zephyr and Cochran Metamorphosis. And, uh. You're very Kafka type episode, perhaps. And you did a great job. Thank you. It was fun, definitely. Next month, probably Scott Gardner will be back. Well, unless, you know, be a good time to get the flu again. Unless his vocal cords <laughs> fall out for. He has vocal corditis and is. But, um, yeah. All right. Two, two freaks. <laughs> Belong in the circus. Right next to the dog-faced boy. Yes, you do. party baby I don't want to go I'm in the landing party baby I don't want to go I'm beaming to some place where I've never been before I'm going I'm going when the wretched soul die I'm going where the wretched soul die 
We step on a rock and it blows up all the time. Kirk to Enterprise. Come in, Enterprise. It appears Ensign Ricky didn't make it. Captain, got to get away. I'm gonna leave the captain, got to get away. All the shooting and fighting, man, you know I sure can't stay. I might get shot, I might get stabbed, I could be on the gun menu today. Just exactly where we're going, I cannot say. But we may fight in the neutral zone today. Cause it's a new episode and I don't want to play Jim, it's Edson Ricky. He's still dead. No use in your running or screaming and crying. You got a red shirt And you're gonna be dying <sighs> Alright, I hope you can get something out of that I'm done Had enough? I didn't realize what it took to get under that thick hide of yours. You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. <laughs> Visit our brand new website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for... Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details.
Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. And this is your Uncle Don saying good night. Good night, little kids, good night. We're off? Good, well that ought to hold the little bastards.